Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is Call Number with American Libraries. Every day, librarians serve a diverse population, each with a different set of needs. Among those are our nation's veterans, who often face a unique set of challenges when returning to civilian life after their military service ends. Many of them turn to the library for help and more, so it's essential for librarians and library workers to know more about this community in order to serve them best. Today, on Call Number with American Libraries, we look at library services to veterans. First, I speak with Angela Marinville, a librarian from West Virginia University Libraries and an Air Force veteran, about her experiences as a veteran in the library profession, as well as services that WVU Libraries offers for the university's veteran students. Next, I speak with Michael Steinmacher, director of Bar Memorial Library in Fort Knox, Kentucky, about libraries on military bases, their services for vets and enlisted members, and more. But first, a word from a sponsor. ALA JobList is the award-winning source for jobs in library science and technology. If you're looking for a new job, or an employer who wants to advertise a job opening, JobList has you covered. Job seekers can refine and filter searches by position type, employer, location, post resumes, and automate alerts to never miss a posting. Employers can rest easy knowing that ALA reaches the engaged professionals that you want to hire. It also simplifies recruiting by offering flat rate pricing, discounted multi-ad packages, and enhanced postings for increased visibility. ALA Job List. It's where job seekers and employers get results. Visit joblist.ala.org for more information or to begin your search today. When Angela Marinville's military service ended in the late 1980s, the Air Force veteran wasn't sure exactly what she wanted to do with her life. Librarianship changed that. Now the Director of Knowledge Access and Resource Management at West Virginia University Libraries in Morgantown, West Virginia, Angela knows firsthand what libraries, particularly academic libraries, can and should do to best serve their veteran patrons. I spoke with Angela recently about her journey to librarianship, library service to veterans, and more. Can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your military service background? Sure. Um, I'm an associate university librarian and the director of knowledge access and resource management at West Virginia University Libraries. I'm also an Air Force veteran. I served on active duty and as a reservist from 1984 to 1990. Uh, I was a radio communications analyst. I left active duty in 87 as part of the Grand Rugman Hollings Balanced Budget Act it's where you left the military early and gave double that time in reserves. So um, that's that's me in a very small nutshell. And how did you come to librarianship? It, it was it was accidental, really. Um, I was in the midst of an environmental studies master's, and one of my professors asked if I'd ever considered becoming a librarian um, because I was able to find information on the internet quicker than anybody she knew, and that kind of led me to explore the idea and ultimately ultimately i attended the iSchool school at illinois and i used my veteran benefits to pay tuition 
And I know this is kind of a, a broad question, but why is it important for libraries to offer services to veterans and those continuing uh, their service in the military? So I think it's really important to recognize that approximately 90% of Americans won't have a frame of reference for veterans, right? They won't understand their needs. They won't understand their experiences. Uh, I, so as a librarian, you can help bridge that gap and help a veteran in need. Um, I know it'll take some education for some folks that, that don't have that framework, um, but it's really important for, for as an example, a personal example. For years, I didn't really consider myself a veteran because I didn't serve. I served in peacetime, right? I wasn't in a war. Um, and I think that libraries can help with some of that understanding, with some of that just, you know, uh, you know, help veterans discover the resources and the benefits which are available to them. And I think they can be a bridge. And uh, what are some of those resources and services that are available um, specifically that librarians can use to help serve their veterans better? So um, I think a good place to start would be the ALA Veterans Caucus Member Initiative Group that you can find on Connect, uh, ALA Connect. Uh, you can find information there on pertinent conferences. You can post questions of other more experienced librarians. They can walk you through programs which work for them and their libraries. Um, other resources that can be found um, are at veteran service organizations, VA libraries, um, or base libraries. Uh, I believe they call them Moral Welfare and Recreation, NWR libraries. Um, if you open conversations with those folks and, you know, you can set up a potential collaboration with them, it would be a really good place to start. Uh, there's a plethora of online resources out there, um, but becoming familiar with, with that, uh, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Somebody's already doing it and you just need to borrow their idea. Now, you're at West Virginia University in Morgantown. Um, can you tell us a bit about the, um, the veteran student population at that university? How large is it? How large of a, of a population are you dealing with? So our most recent count is nearly 1,500 student veterans. Um, and this is data that we get from the registrar. And we actually get it every semester because we use it to populate our bunker door swipes. Um, keep in mind, it's self-reported. So it's up to the veteran to actually report to the university that they're a veteran, right? It's it's not. Um, so it's extremely likely that this there are more veterans on campus, considering the number of folks that serve and might not consider themselves a veteran. Uh, and if they're not using veterans benefits, they don't get counted that way either. So that's that's kind of our number that we have. And what um, programs and resources do, does WVU Libraries offer for for veterans? So. Our biggest achievement is the Veterans Bunker. Uh, it's quiet space. It's limited to student veterans for their use to relax, uh, collaborate, study, really whatever they need to do. Uh, it is for veterans only. Um, the creation of, of this, it was grant funded um, through IMLS um, and its creation and its success um, were pivotal in moving the library's veteran outreach program forward. Um, we have an outreach, a veterans outreach committee, which liaises with the, the West Virginia University Center for Veterans Military and Family Programs, um, which is a group on campus to support veterans and their families. Um, we host events for student veterans. Uh, we've previously had a focus on female veterans. 
um, and we maintain both a veterans blib guide and a web page. Oh, great. And uh, can you tell me a bit more about this bunker? Because I've, I've read a bit about this and it sounds fascinating. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about that? Because I think it's a very unique um, program that you have. So we, we found that veterans needed space, right? So veterans tend to be um, people who are transitioning. I was a non-traditional student. Uh, they've had experiences that are unlike other people and they kind of want to hang with each other, right? But finding a space where, where they can all be together uh, is difficult. Um, so, uh, and actually I, I, I'm, I'm talking about experiences that, that happened before I even arrived at, at, at the West Virginia University Libraries. Um, the librarian that kicked all this off was Carol Wilkinson. Uh, she was the, the the brainchild of this. She she uh, got this going. She got the IMLS grant um, and created carved out this space for these bunkers. And we just we we found space within the libraries. Um, we redecorated it, um, made it very comfortable and very livable, um, and put the the locking door swipes on it. And then got the process to to figure out who actually belongs in there. Um, and that's kind of how they, it came to be. We created first just the one in the downtown campus library location, um, and now we actually have another in the Evansdale library location, and they are very wildly popular. Um, we can count the door swipes so we know how many folks are going in and out, and they get used a lot. Oh, great. And um, I'm just curious, what, what are some of the challenges you think that libraries face in serving um, veteran patrons? So I think that identifying the veterans is one of your biggest challenges. Uh, unless we're in uniform, veterans they look like everybody else, right? Um, in many situations, if you don't have a program for a vet, you wouldn't even know they're in your library. I think it's really important to create outreach so a veteran can come to you. I guarantee there's a veteran in your library um, and they're, they're using it. And who knows what you could do to actually improve their life if you actually you know, we're able to locate them and, and give them outreach. Um, I think other, some of the other challenges are, are really common. They're space, time, money. Um, those are faced by any library wanting to serve a new constituency. And um, being a veteran yourself, um, do you think or how does your past service uh, inform your work as a librarian? Working with veterans, I do think it gives me an advantage in that it gives me some common ground. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that military experience, you'd be surprised um, how common that experience is. I, I met a young man a couple years ago who was uh, uh, air, air, I think he was in the Guard, um, but his experiences at Lackland Air Force Base going through basic training were practically exactly like mine, um, even though they were probably 30 years apart. Uh, and it just it's it's kind of mind boggling to realize how much of that stuff is similar and and how many of those things are, are the same um you know and then you talk to people about you know where you're stationed and and all of the different things that are in common uh, i do think i do think it helps i think the most important thing though the experience that I have aside from being a veteran was actually being a student veteran because that's the first hand knowledge that's actually kind of pushing me to be a strong advocate for veterans because I know what it's like to be at a place where you didn't have a lot of help, right? Um, I kind of had to 
do a lot of this on my own. I was lucky enough. I had a really, really good person in financial aid to kind of walk me through a lot of stuff, um, which was very, very helpful. Um, but so, yeah, that type of experience, I think, is, has has kind of pushed me that way. Now, I would like to, to, to talk a bit more about being a student veteran. Um, now, you're an academic library. Um, how mm-hmm. do or do programs, veteran-oriented programs at academic libraries, do they differ from any other library type? And if so, like, how do they differ? I think for us, the primary difference is that at an academic library, our focus is on the student veteran succeeding and ultimately graduating. So we want to do whatever a student needs to help them succeed. Um, So we have the overriding university mission, but we also want the the person to be okay too, right? So um, for us, it was discovering that veterans needed space. and then thanks to the IMLS grant, we were able to create that space. Um, and now we're working on ways to continue to improve student success, you know, working on, uh, you know, working with donors to get improved technology in the bunkers, you know, designing new lib guides that we found that they need, and, and of course, creating more virtual content, you know, with COVID. Now, for any of our listeners, um, any librarians out there who are listening, uh, who may want to to offer more programs or get more involved with their with their veteran patrons, either they're academic libraries or public librarians or librarians of any type. Do you have any um, words of advice for them, like where, where they should start? The Veterans Caucus Member Initiative Group, um, if you're a member of ALA, that's a great place to start. Um, and it's a community where you can go in and you can ask a ton of questions. The other thing would be is if you if you aren't a member and you don't have that benefit, um, find out where your local resources are. Um, where are your local VA clinics? Where are, you know, where are the people that already work with, with veterans? And, you know, and those people, you know, start a communication with them or self-educate. Um, there's, there's tons of online resources out there. USA Jobs, the, the VA, the Veterans Health Library, um, you know, and, and and doing some of that that education, you will find someone who who's doing this, and you can you can borrow from them. Michael Steinmacher works on a military base, but he's not a member of the armed forces. As director of Bar Memorial Library in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Michael has firsthand experience serving veterans, as well as active service members, their families, retirees, and more. I spoke to Michael about libraries on military installations, some of the services and programs offered at Bar Memorial Library, how libraries on and off military bases can collaborate, and more. Bar Memorial Library, uh, can you tell our listeners a bit more about about the, uh, the library and its place within Fort Knox? Um, whom exactly uh, does the library serve? Sure. The best way to describe Bar Memorial is think of it essentially as a public library on an Army installation. We serve soldiers and families, veterans, retirees, civilian employees, students of on-post universities, and contractors. But basically, if you can get onto the post, you're able to come in and take advantage of our programs and services to some level. 
Is there any difference between a library on a military installation and, say, a normal public library? Well, I would say in the case of a public library, we're definitely going to have some technology and some um, collection differences. We, For instance, in terms of military history and American history and some of the documentation and, and resources supporting that, I would say we're much more heavily resourced in terms of our collection size than you would an average community's public library. But by and large, we are focused on serving the community as a public library. So the broad, in the broadest way to think about it, yes, we basically are the public library. And um, now the, the library, it's a part of a larger network. Can you um, tell our listeners a bit more about that? Sure. We're actually one of about 60 plus uh, MWR libraries, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, that are spread across the different Army installations um, in the world. It's, it's not just in the United States, which we call CONUS. It can also be OCONUS, which is um, Europe. We, again, that's the Army. Um, many of the other services have morale, welfare, and recreation libraries as well. And again, they're focused, while their constituencies might be a little bit different, we all serve the same basic function to provide um, materials, recreation, academic, um, school supports, uh, so on and so forth. So we're basically a global public library system. Now, I'd like to uh, talk a bit about some of the programs that you offer at Bar Memorial Library, particularly those that um, you offer for veterans. Can you tell our listeners a bit about that? Our programs range across the service spectrum, but when it comes to veterans, we, we try and offer programs that might be more tailored and make sense for them. A lot of them are developed in collaboration with asking soldiers and um, veterans and retirees what they're looking for. We've offered programs that are writing programs, the idea of helping you develop your own writing skills if you're interested in telling your own story. We've offered in collaboration with our um, frame shop uh, crafting kits that basically are grab-and-go crafting kits to uh, to use to do for some recreational purposes. And when we think about things like our author events, we're always looking for things that would appeal to people who have been in the service, whether it's a memoir or some a historical account or something related to the military. We always try and focus on those and market, market those to our veterans in the community and the surrounding area. Now, can we well, tell me a bit more about this uh, visiting author series that you've mentioned? Because you've really you've brought in some really interesting, high-profile guests. Sure, and this is one of the things that I am most proud of at our, in our work at Bar Memorial. We have established back in 2010 the Authors at Your Library series, and basically the idea behind it was to put together a really first-class author event series that recognizes and brings in local, regional. Uh, nationally and best-selling authors, both of acclaim and best-selling status. And over the years, we've been able to host folks such as uh, historian Rick Atkinson. We've had Medal of Honor recipient Clinton Romache. We've had Army Wives author Tanya Bianc. But we've also had folks like uh, thriller novelist Steve Barry, James Rollins. Um, we hosted Eric Jerome Dickey. 
um, a very wide range of events, and again, appealing across multiple genres, multiple interest points. But whenever we get a chance to do something special that we think is going to attract um, a military audience, we certainly take advantage of that. We are going to be hosting a virtual event with uh, historian John C. McManus later this year, which I think will be very interesting. He'll be talking about his new World War II history. How has the pandemic affected any of your programming? Well, just like everybody else, you know, the pandemic uh, gave us all a body blow. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of our programming for the last year to 15 months has been virtual. We adapted our models pretty quickly, including the author events, to be a totally virtual model. And we're slowly but surely moving back toward offering physical events in conjunction with virtual, but as with so many other industries, I think we're pretty much forever changed in how we offer programs, when we offer programs, and so on and so forth. And ultimately, I don't think that'll be a bad thing coming out of the pandemic. Now, I know, uh, Michael, you are a big proponent of collaborations, collaborating with other libraries. Now, can libraries that aren't on military installations collaborate with those found within them, like Bar Memorial? And if so, like what kind of programs and collaborations might be best? Well, I think it's really important to keep in mind that, you know, the military community isn't confined within necessarily the gates or physical boundaries of an installation. Mm -hmm. So while we might be the public library on the Fort Knox installation, there are, again, communities just outside the gates that serve our patrons, where our patrons live, where our patrons go. Um, Again, remember, we have people who live on Fort Knox, so they may be going outside to work, so on and so forth. So it's definitely important to work with and build relationships with the libraries that are outside of your gates. You are serving the same patrons, by and large, and it makes a whole lot of sense to combine your resources to serve them well. It's, I think it's really important, too, to make sure that you're, you're, you know, obviously you have a panacea of services that you normally would offer, but I think it's important to also know what kind of services a your partner libraries or other libraries that you might be able to collaborate with do really well or that they have a niche. For instance, some of the things that we do in terms of our author program. Um, I, I come back to that because that is one of our um, – one of our crown jewels, in my opinion, at at the installation. That's the sort of thing we share with all the surrounding libraries. And frankly, we're sharing that information with the libraries across the MWR um, network in the Army because it it is a resource that is to be shared and treasured. And the more people that can participate, the better off we are. Um, In terms of working with libraries or libraries outside of a military installation that want to work with people on the post, the base, whatever you call it, based on the service. I think it's important to identify who those people are and both ways and and reach out and talk and have communication and exchange information regularly and talk about where it makes sense to team up and where it makes sense um, to share information about discrete services that your counterparts might be offering within a stone's throw of your own of your own service population. And how would a um a library a public library uh 
go about doing that, going about creating this type of collaboration um, will be the best way to reach out. Probably the easiest thing for a public library to do is contact the public affairs office on whatever installation is close by or whatever installations, because in some places you have multiple services within a, a service area. And just ask the public affairs office, uh, do you have a MWR library? What type of libraries do you have on post? Because we're talking about, in my case, essentially the public library, there's lots of libraries that are serving um, serving on different posts. Many of them are technical um, and, and may have a very limited, if um, any sort of ability to be accessed by the outside. But the, the easiest thing is for somebody to pick up the phone or get on the internet and do just a little bit of research. You, you, uh, you yourself, you are a civilian librarian. You, you don't have a military background, but you're working on a, on a military installation. Does that um, give you a different perspective, you think, on working with members of the military or veterans? I, I think it does. Um, I did, I came to this position very, very um, uneducated, for lack of a better word, about Army, the Army, the Army culture, the military culture, and it is a learning curve. It's a huge learning curve, but it's but it's a very rewarding learning curve. I think one of the things too that you know I'm I'm not going to say that it's it's only a one way street because I think the experience and the mentality that I brought from the outside as someone who was a public librarian but also had experience working in academic, working in medical. Um, uh, basically a background of working in different libraries outside of a military installation. I think that's been beneficial too. So I think by basically taking my experience from the outside and wedding it to the military culture, I think it's been a win-win. For our listeners who might not have a military background or might not be veterans, uh, what would you like them to know about um, working with veterans? So I really think it's important to just approach your work with an honesty and sincerity that you would for any other service population. You know, I think there's a common misconception that the first thing you should do is thank a veteran. One of the things that I've found over the course of my career as an, as an Army librarian is a lot of veterans don't want to be thanked. They they did what they considered a job. They did it well and they're mo they've moved on to the next phase of their life. So thanking a veteran is not necessarily the first thing that you need to do. Um, I'm not saying that they don't appreciate it. I'm not saying that people wouldn't want to hear that, but I'm saying that's not necessarily the first thing you do. The, the first thing you do is provide them exemplary service as you would. And keep in mind service, in my mind, my service should be commensurate with the sacrifice that they and their active duty counterparts are offering every day. You know, I haven't walked in those boots. I haven't been in their shoes. I haven't been in the field, but I know they're making a sacrifice for us and they have made a sacrifice. Some of them have been shot at. Some of them have been wounded, um, seriously injured. And it's really important for me to approach my work with a sincere earnestness and wanting to give back to them in a way 
that probably can't even begin to measure up to what they've done for me, but I want to try anyway. And I think that's what it really somebody has to keep in mind if they want to serve the military it, and and veterans especially. Um, some of these folks have given so much for us, and for us to provide anything less than exemplary library service, that's a shame on us as professionals. So we want it to be top-notch. That wraps another episode of Call Number with American Libraries. Many thanks to Angela and Michael for speaking with us today. Be sure to join us next month for our annual look at new library architecture and design. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year, so please don't miss it. Do you have feedback regarding one of our segments? Something you're curious about or thoughts on a topic of interest to the library community that you'd like to see addressed here on Call Number? Well, we want to hear from you. New to Call Number. You can reach out to us directly and tell us your thoughts and opinions about our shows and more with your own voice. Call 312-857-6761 and leave a message that may be featured in a future episode. That's 312-857-6761. We hope to hear from each and every one of you. As always, I'm Phil Morehart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is Call Number with American Libraries. Mm-hmm.